sermon podcast of Dan Roschke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information about Bethlehem, visit our website at blclife.org. But now, here's Pastor Dan and his sermon for today. Friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God who never leaves us. Amen. Well, today is a good day because on this third Sunday in Lent, there is nothing but good in the Ten Commandments. I love the Ten Commandments. I wonder if you ever memorized them and would suggest that again, maybe as a Lenten discipline. Memorize those Ten Commandments. They make us better. They give us life. They even save us. Jesus does not abolish them. He is the fulfillment of them. And today, we get a call back to them. This first lesson in our readings today, it's another chance to look at them. If I had to title my sermon today, it would be The Gospel According to the Ten Commandments. The Gospel According to the Ten Commandments. Friends in Christ, these aren't rules meant to break us down and take our fun away. They're guidelines, curbs, lane paths meant to build us up and bind us together even more in Christ. They are rules, that, that's true. That is, they are ways of living. They enrich our lives, though. They don't detract And in this boundaryless society in which we find ourselves today, these Ten Commandments are liberating and loving. God didn't free, let me remind you, God didn't free the Israelites from Egypt in order to lock them up all over again out in the wilderness and beyond. God frees the Israelites even further with these guidelines, these rules, these curbs. Another way to look at it is, It's a dinner bell. (laughs) Heather and I had a friend in college who once told us about her childhood and how she had these parents who never really gave her any rules. They were kind of hippies. And one of my vivid memories of Suzanne telling us these stories is how she talked about playing out in the neighborhood before supper with all her friends, kind of in a cul-de-sac, And about the same time the streetlights came on, all the mothers and fathers were calling their kids. You know, the dinner bell rang. And her friends all went inside. Dinner time! Ding, 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 ding. But little Suzanne never had a curfew, never had any boundaries. And I imagine a little girl left at dusk in a lonely cul-de-sac with the streetlights kind of sputtering on and the faint sounds and smells of families and their warm houses all around her. Healthy suppers and family conversations, laughter around the dinner table. The Ten Commandments are a dinner bell, a warm house, and without them, or if we choose to ignore them, we get left out. They are not rules meant to break us down. They are rules, ways of living meant to build us up, nurture and sustain us, rules to free us even more. The one left outside with no boundaries is the prisoner, 
the one who is gathered in and given structure and routine and work and play and community, that's where we find freedom in Christ. The Ten Commandments, God's covenant with the wandering Israelites, then is still God's grace, love, liberation, and justice poured out on us and for the benefit of this whole earth, even now, today, in 2024. Rule number one. I'm going to just talk about a few of these, not all ten, but I'm going to mention a few of them here and, and reflect on a few of these. Rule number one, that is way of living number one, I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who brought you up out of Egypt. In other words, remember your story and then don't make anything else your God. There is so much freedom, friends, in that. We are tempted and even taught to bow down and worship so many other things. Money and fame and power and authority and sports and security and military might and family, having the perfect family, technology, success, image, entertainment. The list goes on. What is it for you? In this Lenten season, it's a good time to reflect on that. What is it for you that draws you away from this command, this, this opportunity to trust totally in God and let God be God? So many foreign gods as we wander through the wilderness of this life. But friends in Christ, we don't have to let those things rule us. There's so much freedom in this first and most important of the commandments. All the other commandments point back to this one. Let God be God. We don't have to play that role anymore or seek out God anywhere else. We're not God. Can't find God anywhere else. God's right here. Let God be God. Don't forget who got us all here in the first place. Remember your story. Put your faith only in one thing, not in money, not in fame or power or security, not even in family or friends, not in the technologies of the future, and not in the ways things used to be. Let's try again to stop worshiping the false idols and start worshiping God. I'll remind you that word worship comes from the same root as worthy, worth-ship, um, it's what's worthy of your sacrifices. And if you're wondering what it is you worship or, or are tempted to worship, just take a look at the credit card bill or the past months on the calendar. Those are, the, those are spiritual documents, really. They tell us what's important to us and where we make sacrifices, where we put our money and our time. What's worthy of your money and your time? Actually, it's all God's money and time. <laughs> But where are you spending what God has entrusted to you? We don't have to be slaves to those things anymore. This commandment is calling us out of self-serving, idol-serving lifestyles and into lives of service, into worship, into trusting God totally. This is grace poured out on us. We don't have to seek after and bow down to foreign gods and graven images anymore. Rule number two, way of living number two, is don't make wrongful use of God's name. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. 
yeah, okay, watch your language, that's true. But that is not what's at the heart of this commandment, even more. This is a follow-up on the first and most important commandment. It's almost like a corrective, uh, a clarification, you know? Okay, God, if, if I'm supposed to trust you so much, I guess I'm supposed to just sit here and let you do everything. Let you find me a parking spot. <laughs> Dear God, help me find, you know. Let you ace my math test. Let you take care of starving children and homeless veterans. Let you take care of the pollution in the ocean, deforestation or the deterioration of biodiversity. You're God, not me, so I'll let you take care of it. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. This command expounds on the first. Don't just throw up your hands and hope God takes care of everything, all our world's problems. That's missing the point. Live as if it all depends on us. Hunger and housing and health care and earth care. Don't call on God for that. I got to see in San Diego, I got to see the Dalai Lama in person. It was amazing. And at the end of this beautiful speech, somebody raised their hand and they kind of had a pious tone in their voice, but I know they meant well, but they asked the Dalai Lama if he would pray for world peace. And I was right there like, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. And the Dalai Lama said, no, I will not pray for world peace. Live for world peace. Go from this point and live your life as though you care about world peace. It was a, it was a moving moment. I've heard it said, in other words, live as if it all depends on you and pray as if it all depends on God. Don't use God's name in vain, asking for God to fix things and as, as a way of ducking our own culpability and responsibility. The trash on the ground and in the ocean and in the sky, that's on us. All the violence we've perpetrated and endured as a human species, that's on us. Don't use God's name in vain, asking God to take it all away and getting angry at God when it doesn't all just disappear. Let's take responsibility with our words and our actions. That's liberating. Call on God for praise and for all the things that are truly out of our hands. We don't have to live helplessly. This commandment frees us to live and speak helpfully. Rule number three, way of living number three. Number three, take a break. Take a break to remember that first commandment. Practice, live out all these commandments. Don't just memorize and recite them. Make Sabbath a part of your weekly life. We have no boundaries anymore. With smartphones and wireless connections, we mix up free time and work time all the time. We've lost the ability to take it easy. But even God rests on the seventh day. And we are created in the image of God. Let me just say that again. We are created in the image of a God who rests. This commandment calls you to stop and rest. Not when the work is done. 
But when the sun goes down, stop and remember our story. Gather around the gifts of God in the Christian family, word and wine and water and wheat. We forget so easily that God is God. I wonder if we'll remember it by this afternoon when we all, you know, get the games on and our families are beckoning and our cell phones are buzzing and there's all the tasks and preparation for Monday morning. This commandment frees us to stop. And it frees us to free others to stop also. Much is being uncovered these days, rediscovered in scholarship, thank God, in, in seminaries and beyond, about justice and Sabbath. It's a, it's a pairing that maybe we hadn't thought about uh, for a, a long time. Certainly, I never connected it when I was growing up. Justice and Sabbath? Give others Sabbath too. It says it right there in Exodus. If you have people that work for you, give them Sabbath Call them to Sabbath. Call them to put the axe down at the tree, even if the tree's not. That's a bad example during this year of creation. <laughs> but that's the idea. Even if the work's not finished, put the axe down when the sun goes down that, that one time a week. And take a day. But, but if you don't have people working for you or, or below you, Give it to your friends and family also. Call people. Give permission to break. Live in a way. Live from a place of Sabbath is what our bishop says. Not like Sabbath is some cherry on top at the end of the week if you earn it, but live from a place of Sabbath. And what does it mean to live like that? This is about breaking the pharaohic chains of oppression and slavery, and frankly, the American workaholism and grind culture, grind culture, doing more with less is what I'm talking about, is all too familiar. That's pharaohic chains of oppression and slavery. It's one of the reasons we have pillows in the pew here at Bethlehem. Just as a reminder, God calls us to Sabbath. Our text in the gospel today, Jesus turns the money tables and cries out, Stop making my father's house into a what? A marketplace. The, the, the sanctuary is a place for rest, for Sabbath, for praising God. And, ooh, I think this part's been lost too. The justice component's been lost. You know what else has been lost? The Sabbath is to be joyful. People get stressed out being told that they should take a break. I can't take a break. What am I supposed to just sit here? Just sit here and do nothing? <laughs> That's missing the point too. The Sabbath is meant for joy. What brings you joy? Let me put it like this. And I'm not making anything up here. This comes from centuries of rabbinical teaching. The Sabbath is for sex. Mm -hmm. Loving sex. Life-giving sex. Healthy and fun sex. We've been studying 1 Corinthians in our Bible study during the week. Read from 1 Corinthians here today. And we've been talking a lot about sex because that's in 1 Corinthians all over the place. It's about not using and not abusing bodies. Don't use and abuse sex. This is about loving sex. You know, spend the mornings here at church remembering and giving thanks that God is God and not us. 
And then the, uh, a little afternoon delight. <laughs> Tell them you heard it here. You get what I'm saying though, right? The Sabbath is for relaxation. It's for recreation. The Sabbath is for joy. The Sabbath is God's gift. It's the way we were intended. We were made for frolicking. As Pastor Dan Erlander, the late great Pastor Dan Erlander says. That's the original state of things, frolicking. Adam and Eve in the garden, what do you think they were doing? Just sitting there, checking their work email accounts? No, they were having fun. They were laughing naked. This commandment frees us to have fun. Okay, I'm not going to talk through every single commandment here, but let me just say that when God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, who freed you, this is an intro for continued and enhanced liberation, and that's what these commandments are. Sabbath liberates God's people from not only working, it goes on though, the list. We have a freer, more liberated, more loving society when people aren't stealing from each other, when people aren't murdering each other and killing each other, when people are taking care of their elderly parents. Honor your father and your mother, I'll remind you, was written for adults. It's not like all these commandments are given to adults except here's one for you kids. No, this is written for adults and, um, and it's about taking care of one's aging parents and the aging in our communities. Not, it's not about making our kids keep their curfews as much as I'm, I would like that, you know? <laughs> hey, honor your parents. No, it's about, it's about taking care of the elderly. We have a freer, more liberated, more loving society when people aren't just looking out for number one. How locked up would you feel if you're always fearing for your life or fearing that your spouse is committing adultery or fearing that someone wants to wants what you have or fearing that you won't be taken care of when you get old. See, each of these commandments points us, continues to lead us out of bondage and into freedom. Out of fear and into life. This is God's doing. God gives us the commandments to save us because God loves us. And then God gives us Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law, of the commandments, who enfleshes the, the wholeness, the life, the salvation, the resurrection that was, an in, that was intended in the commandments. This is God's foolishness to use Paul's letter from 1 Corinthians today. This is God's foolishness that is wiser than human wisdom. Stop. <laughs> Don't kill each other. Put God first. This is God's wisdom. God's foolishness that is wiser than human wisdom. God's weakness that is stronger than human strength. This is the cross. The power of God. Life out of death. Hope out of despair, structure, out of chaos, a dinner bell, and love, and justice, and peace. It is all given and shed for you this day, friends. Thanks be to God. Amen.
all of us at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, thank you for listening. Check us out again soon. And to learn more about our national church body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, visit elca.org. Goodbye for now. And remember, God's outpouring of grace and peace never runs dry. Here's to a new day. Evangelical. That was terrible. To learn more about our national church body. Start over, start over. (laughs) Okay. Is that hard? No, not really. Pretty easy? Yeah. You're good at it.